Amen. Let's take our Bibles, please. Turn to 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3. Several years ago in uh, Hamilton, I was bored on a Saturday afternoon. It was a miserable day, weather, and we were just kind of confined. And so I turned on, is it CPAC, the government channel? And I was watching the House of Commons. This is what Paul was talking about a minute ago. I was watching them debate in the House of Commons. And I was shocked. And somebody would stand up and talk, and then the other side would boo and hiss. And I thought they acted like a bunch of kids, just children. And, uh, boy, it really bothered me, and I, I don't know why. I, I thought, you don't need to boo and hiss. Your title is the official opposition. We already know you disagree. You, you don't have to act like a child, but it's so right. We need to act like men and women of character, and especially those who are children of God. Amen? We need to have character. 1 John chapter 3, 1 John chapter 3. Well, Brother Paul's been down the altar twice already today, and uh, hoping he's getting that sin taken care of, amen? And, uh, you know, here's, here's the truth. Here's the truth. I, I, I say that to tease, but here's the absolute truth. The closer you get to the Lord, the more keenly aware you are of your own sin. Because you'll stop comparing yourself to everybody else and say, well, I'm not as bad as that guy, and you'll start looking at the Lord. The Bible says we behold him in a glass, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians. We behold him in a glass and we begin to change because we see him in the light of God's word. And that's really what God wants, to be us to be conformed to the image of his son, Jesus Christ, Romans chapter 8. And so I, man, I'm overwhelmed this morning. The music has been so good. I've been blessed. And you know, this morning got up and started studying and praying and just going over my notes and the Lord laid that song, The Living Hope, upon my heart, and so I blew up the service and rearranged it all. And, and, uh, but you know, when you start thinking about the love of God, I, I understand even better today, we love Him because He first loved us. And when you start to take some time to meditate on what God has done for you because of His love, you can't help but love Him in return. And so our love begins to grow and our hearts begin to burst we like to sing those songs that talk about our Savior as a result. First John chapter 3 this morning. I'm just going to give you a few moments today, a short message. And by the way, men, just a public service announcement. Tomorrow is Valentine's Day. All right? And uh, don't leave it till midnight because the gas station doesn't have very good flowers. Right, Kevin? <laughs> I, th- I think he knows from experience. And... Uh, so just, just do the right thing, okay? And uh, take care of that. You're welcome, by the way. First John chapter 3. First John chapter 3. I never have to think about what to get my wife. Either take her out to eat or get her chocolate. We're good. We're good. See? Amen. First John chapter 3. Behold, behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear that we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure." Before I pray, is Calvin in here or did he go with the kids? Calvin Cody, is Cody in here? Cody, would you run to the storage room and grab me a bottle of water, please? It's in, in Cindy's storage room back there. 
Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for your word. Lord, we pray you bless it. Lord, I pray that your word would not return void, that it would speak to our hearts and help us today. Father, I've been so blessed to be in church today. Love to sing these great songs that we have sang. And, and I pray, Lord, that you'd be pleased as well. Lord, I overwhelmed with that thought that you are our living hope. The Bible tells us that every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. Lord, because you are our hope, you expect something from us. Help us to live for you. So, Father, as we take just a few moments this morning to talk about your love for us, we pray that you would just remind us, put it in our hearts today. Lord, I pray that there might be one here today that doesn't know the Lord. Lord, that you would draw them. The Bible talks about how the love of Christ constraineth us, draws us to him. I pray that they'd see him hanging on a cross, Lord, with his arms spread open wide, shedding his blood because he loved us and desired to pay the price for our sins. Help us, we pray. We'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Look at that first verse with me again. We're not going to stay in this chapter, but notice what the Bible says. Behold... What manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God, therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. The word behold is used throughout the Bible, and normally it draws our attention to something spectacular. Behold, he cometh with clouds. Imagine that. I mean, they're not using the word lightly there. Thank you, Cody. They're not using the word lightly there. They're wanting to draw our attention the Bible says that when that great city comes down from the heavens, the Bible says that uh, everybody will be fixated upon that city, but the lamb that sits upon the throne will say, Behold, look over here. Don't look at the city. I make all things new. Imagine that sight as we get to see Jesus face to face. Behold. But God uses the word here as well, and he wants us to behold something else. The word behold means to take a long look upon something or to meditate upon it, to gaze at and to stare upon. And I don't know if you were younger, when you were a child, you were told it's, it's not polite to stare. But God says, I want you to behold this. I want you to see it. And notice what he says we're to look at. Behold, what manner of love. He doesn't say behold the love of God. He says behold what manner, what kind the word manner there is talking about the quantity and the quality. The quantity and the quality. I, we're online, so I'm going to be careful about how I say this, but there's times where somebody will say, let's go to this Chinese buffet. I won't name the restaurant because then I'll get in trouble because I'm not really thrilled with the restaurant. Let's go to this Chinese buffet. And you know what? They got everything you can imagine on there. I mean, it is 100 feet long of Chinese food and all the rest. And what they're saying is, let's go and get some quantity. I, I'm going to be honest with you. Even, even when I was a lot heavier, I, I'm a one-plate guy and done. I'm not a big eater. And so I'm just not interested in that. I felt like I never got my money's worth. But if somebody said, let's go get some quality, I'm going to hoys. Amen? I thought that would get an amen. I mean, living hope didn't get very many amens, but I thought hoys might. Because we're a carnal bunch, aren't we? But I like the quality over the quantity. But here's the good news about God's love. He says, behold what manner, and the word means quality and quantity. In other words, you don't have to substitute one for the other. You can get the quality 
hence you can get the quantity. I want you to notice some things we notice in the scripture. I'm just by way of introduction today. When we talk about the quantity of God's love, it is an everlasting love. Jeremiah chapter 31 verse 3. Paul, I thought you were going to quote my verse a minute ago. I have loved you with an everlasting love. That means it never ends. God cannot stop loving you or else he is contrary to his own words. You're a child of God. You belong to him and he loves you. That's something that can never change. It is an everlasting love. It is an enduring love. I, 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 was, I quoted a little bit earlier, what can separate us from the love of God? Can tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities or powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. It is an enduring love. It is an everlasting love. It is a He is the very example of love. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 2 says, And walk in love as Christ also hath loved us. How am I supposed to love my brother like Christ loved him? How am I supposed to love the lost like Christ loved him? That's not an easy thing to do sometimes. Some people are harder to love than others. I'll admit that. That's because of our flesh. But the more we become like Christ, we find that he is the example of love. The Bible says, here's how he loved us. He gave himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. He is everlasting love. He is enduring love. He is the example of love. He emanates love. Turn to 1 John chapter 4, just over a page. Look at verse 7. Beloved. Let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. This is a very attribute of God, to love. He emanates love. So we see the quantity of love, but I want you to notice also the quality of God's love. Number one, it is a spiritual love. The quality of God, what kind of love does he love us with? It is a spiritual love. The Bible says in Romans 5, 5, and hope maketh not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. Hey, don't ever be ashamed to sit in church and give your love to God. Sometimes we're embarrassed because a tear comes to our eyes or our hearts begin to be moved and we get excited about the things and our lip begins to quiver. Don't ever be ashamed because hope maketh not ashamed. That's the love of God being shed abroad in your hearts by the Spirit of God. That means he is working. There ought to be some evidence of it. The quality of love is a spiritual love. It is a sacrificial love. We all know John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave. His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. It's a spiritual love. It's a sacrificial love. It is a sustaining love. First Corinthians or Second Corinthians thirteen says this. Finally, brethren, farewell. Be perfect. Be of a good comfort. Be of one mind. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace, listen, shall be with you. He doesn't leave us. 
The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Ghost be with you all. Amen. It is a sincere love. A sincere love. Romans chapter 5 verse 8 says, But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. When I say it's a sincere love, I mean to say it's not a fickle love. God doesn't just love you when you're being good. He loved you when you were a sinner. Years ago, D.L. Moody didn't believe that God loved the sinner until he heard a young 21-year-old preacher get up and preach several nights in a row on John 3.16, and it broke his heart, and he went to the altar and realized that God does love the sinner. God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. It is a sincere love, and it is a shown love. You know that love doesn't mean a whole lot if we don't show it. And 1 John 3.16 says, Hereby perceive we the, the love of God because he laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. This passage of 1 John chapter 3 today, John gives us some things that love has done in our lives. As we are to behold the love of God today, I want you to take these things in consideration. Let's meditate on them this morning. Number one, his love, listen, his love has extended to us a privilege. What a great privilege we have. And what is that privilege to be called the sons of God? I quoted Romans. I'm, I'm on a rabbit trail here for a minute. I'm going to pause, press pause on the message. Romans chapter 8, 35 to 39. There's some academy students in here today. If you memorize that passage for tomorrow... I will give you 100% on a bonus quiz for Bible. Because I can think of no better way to spend your Sunday afternoon than memorizing Romans 8, 35 to 39. Or I don't know why that just popped up in my mind, but you memorize that, Romans 8, 35 to 39, those five verses, and I will give you a bonus quiz 100% if you can recite it tomorrow in school. It's not that hard a passage, all right? Got it. Good. Parents, tell your kids if they're not, if they're back in the back, you go ahead and tell those kids. And uh, teachers, if uh, if a kid comes in tomorrow and they didn't know about it, you can give them till Tuesday. But let's let's learn some scripture. Amen. I think a lot of our a lot of our problems because we don't have God's word hidden in our hearts. We need it hidden in our hearts. Notice notice back to our message now. You can press play again. His love has extended to us. A privilege. We are the sons of God. John chapter 1, 12, verse 12 says, But as many as received him, to them give you power to become the sons of God. Uh, do you understand what privilege it is to enter into a family? You know, there's a lot of people today that don't have families. We deal with busloads of kids that don't have dads. We deal with busloads of families where there's four kids from four different dads, that there's families put together. And, and listen, I, I understand the nature of the world, and I, and I understand that there's some here today. They say, well, we had that, you know, we had an earlier family and the divorce and remarriage, and we've got his, mine, and hers, and all the rest. And, and I'm not saying you're in a place of sin. I'm just saying kids growing up like that, it's hard. It's hard. It's a wonderful, wonderful privilege to belong to a stable family, and there's no better family to belong to than to become a child of God. 
And that love has extended that privilege to us today. And friend, if you don't know Christ as Savior, you can enter into his family today. There's that old chorus, I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. Isn't that great? To know that we are his sons, that we're his children. We are joint heirs with Christ. And so we see that passage of scripture that we are the sons of God and it speaks of family. It means that he cares and he chastens and he comforts and he takes care of all of our needs because he is our heavenly father who loves us. It speaks of family, but it also speaks of familiarity. The Bible says this, the world knoweth us not because it knew him not. If we were to look at the flip side of that verse, the world might know us if it knew him. You say, well, I know lots of Christians. That's because you know him. You're here today because you know Christ and we have a fellowship one with another and we are familiar with one another because we are, uh, we are part of the same family. But the world doesn't know us and if we can fit in too carefully with the world and so easily are just assimilated into their culture, friends, are we really the children of God? The world should not know us because it doesn't know him. There's a familiarity in our lives. This privilege of being his child draws us into a closeness with God. We fall out of favor with the world. But it also speaks of a fondness. We are more than just his family. He loves us. How many of you have got family that you say, well, I love them, but I'm not sure I like them. You've been to a family reunion before? I, I love them because they're my family. That's a horrible thing to say, by the way. I love them because they're my family. You might as well say I love them because I have to. There's people that we love, but we don't necessarily like. Maybe we don't get along, great on each other's nerves, whatever. That's not a problem with God. God doesn't just love you. He likes you. He favors you. You're the crown jewel of his creation. You were created in his image. And when, when that image fell to sin in the Garden of Eden, God, God sent his son that we might end up being back conformed to his image again. Bring us back to where we ought to be. He's restored us. He's made us whole. He has a fondness for us. He loves us. His love has extended us a privilege. Notice number two. His love has endowed us with a promise. Look at verse two. Behold, now are we the sons of God? And it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Boy, there's a lot of promises there to unpack, really. But I want you to notice this. His love has endowed us with a promise. Notice our present conditions. Are we now, now the sons of God? Some people say, well, when I get to heaven, I'll become a child of God. No, 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 you're a child of God now. He gave you power now to become the son of God because you received him as your savior. It is a life that has changed. You are part of his family now, but are we now not the sons of God? And so we are a, uh, definitely a work in progress. There's no doubt. We are slowly growing to be more Christ-like every day. At least that's the goal. Look, if you will, at 1 Corinthians, or 2 Corinthians chapter 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And then we're going to jump back in 1 Corinthians. But look at 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Verse 18, right at the end of the chapter, 
But we all with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. He wants us to grow. He wants us to change. As we gaze upon Christ in his word, we are to strive to be more Christ-like. They say, well, I've been trying and it's just not working. It's more about submitting than it is trying. Surrendering ourselves to what God is speaking to us through his word, allowing his spirit to remake us and remold us more in the image of Christ and to be conformed to what God wants us to be. So he says, look with open face, beholding in the glass, the glory of the Lord, our chains of the same image from glory to glory. Now look back at 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. He talks about a glass again, and notice how these verses go together. For now, I'm in verse 12, sorry, verse 13, chapter 13, verse 12. For now we see through a glass darkly. So he tells us to look into this glass and that we'll be changed because we'll see Christ. But right now, it's darkly. Right now, we don't have a, a clear vision. We have a lot of ideas, and there's a lot of ideas all throughout the world of what Christ might be like. And we see paintings. We were in a, in a store the other day uh, uh, with uh, Josh and Bella, and they had some pictures up on the wall, and they were selling these paintings and things, and there was a big picture of Jesus. And uh, my wife says, we had one like that growing up in our house. It was the velvet, you know, with the fluorescent colors and all that, the velvet Jesus. And Josh, Josh pointed out, and he said, well, look, there's a, there's a painting of Jesus. And I said, how do you know? Well, it, it just is. And I said, well, there's another one over there. It doesn't look a thing like that one. How do we know what he looks like? And so we have this vision in our mind, in our hearts. I think I, I think I know a little bit. I think I know that when I look at Jesus, I'll see compassion. I'll see love. I'll see mercy. That's what I'm looking for. Notice what it says in verse 12 here. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even as also I am known. Turn back to 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3, verse 2. See how all three of these verses go together. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear that we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear... We shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Every time we open up the word of God, we see Christ. He is the living word, and this is the written word. And we see him. And the Bible says that we are changed from glory to glory as we behold his glory. It begins to change us and shape us and make us more like the image of Christ. But 1 Corinthians chapter 13 tells us this will not make that final transformation until we see him face to face. For we only know in part right now, but one day we will see him and we will know him as he is and we shall be known. First John echoes that same sentiment. One day when Christ shall appear, we shall be like him. For we shall see him. That final transformation is coming when you have a glorified, perfect body and you stand in the very presence of Christ. I want you to know today that is a promise of God that he has given us because he loves us. We see our present condition, but we also see our promise changed. We shall be like him. We shall be like him. 
If, if there's another promise in that scripture that wasn't part of the message, but boy, it, it helps us. For we shall see him. What a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see. When I look upon his face, the one who saved me by his grace. Oh man, I hope you're looking forward to that. Our promise changed. I want you to notice the third thing we see. His love has extended to us a privilege. His love has endowed us with a promise. Number three, his love has encouraged us to purity. His love has encouraged us to purity. Look at verse three. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. Let's take a moment and read the rest of the chapter because it speaks about being purified. Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law, for sin is the transgression of the law. And we know that he was manifested to take away our sins, and in him is no sin. Whosoever abideth in him sinneth not. Whosoever sinneth hath not seen him, neither knoweth him. Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. He that committeth sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whosoever is born of God does not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin because he is born of God. In this the children of God are manifest. And the children of the devil, whosoever doth not righteousness is not of God, neither is he that loveth not his brother. For this is the message that ye heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Not as Cain, who was of that wicked one, and slew his brother. And wherefore slew he him? Because his own works were evil, and his brother's righteous. Marvel not, my brethren, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death unto life, because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer. And ye know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. Hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us. We ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoso hath this world's good, and seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And hereby know we that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. For if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then we have confidence toward God. And whatsoever we ask, we receive of him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. And this is his commandment. That we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. He that keepeth his commandments dwelleth in him, and he in him. And hereby we know that he abideth in us by the spirit which he hath given us. The love of God has encouraged us to purify. Let me ask you this. Has your love ever encouraged you to change in other ways? You love your children? So we sacrifice for them. The life of a single young person changes the moment you're married and have children and you put their priorities before your own. You work to supply for their needs. You're not out every night of the week at a friend's house and playing video games all night. No, you have a greater responsibility now. 
So you apply yourself to life because why? Because you love your children, because you love your wife. It comes with greater priorities and responsibilities. Love changes us. And when we understand the love of Christ, it ought to change us too. We ought not want to hurt him. There's a song from years ago. I remember singing it back in 96. Cody's mom actually gave me the song. And I, 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 honestly, it's not really a scriptural thought, but it's a contemplative thought. And it asks the question, does he still feel the nails every time I sin? Can he hear the crowd cry crucify again? Am I causing him pain? I know I got to change because I just can't bear the thought of hurting him. See, when we love the Lord, when we're exposed to his love for us, it makes us want to change. To be better men and women for Christ. Because when we have this hope, we purify ourselves. That's what the Lord is asking. He loved us so much, sent his son. Think about this, to redeem us out of a pit. To take us out of that place of sin. How would we look at him and say, no, I'm happy right here. I don't need your love. I'm not going to love you. I'm not going to change. I'm content to stay where I am. And so many lost and dying people are doing just that. But God so loved them too that he gave his son for them. And whosoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. You can be saved today because God loves you. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes this morning. We'll stand to our feet. If you don't know Christ as your Savior today, let me just say it one more time. He loves you with a perfect love. He wants to save you today. We can help you. We'll take a Bible and show you what it means to have eternal life. What about you, Christian? Is the love of God changing you? Are you becoming more Christ-like? Are you purifying each day? So how do I do that? You've got to look into the glass. You've got to look into Christ to see his glory. We've been, at our house, so we've, I've been putting on every morning, I've been putting on music. We have uh, Clark family playing and Kate Harris playing and good music because we have some teenagers living in our house and I want them to have that put in their head and their heart. We get influenced so much by the world. It wasn't long ago, when, when I was a teenager, I worked in the grocery store in Port Dover. It's gone now, the old food land. And music would play all the time wasn't loud. It was just, just music playing in the background. I, I remember walking through Walmart about a year ago, and one of those, they must have had an old station on from the 80s or something. And one of those songs played from 30, 35 years ago, and I knew every word. I didn't set out to memorize it. 
It's just we heard it. It was a popular song, I guess, and it played every couple hours while we worked. And it just got into your head and your heart. You didn't even try. And 35 years later, I, I'm listening to this song and I'm, I knew the words, every one of them. What are we putting in our hearts? I, I play music because I like to, it helps me remember the glory of God. Christ is my living hope. That buried body began to breathe. Boy, it stirs me up. But it ought to change me as well.